Disruptive CEO Nation is the place where young entrepreneurs and company founders tell it like it is when it comes to their journey, vision, technology, culture, and whatever they feel like. Your host, Allison K. Summers, believes how you choose to play the world is completely up to you, and her guests prove it. Now let's get disruptive. Hello, Disruptive CEO Nation. This is Allison K. Summers. And before we introduce our guest, I would like to start with a quote from something that she wrote that I found rather interesting and, and actually quite relevant to the conversation we're going to have with her. And what she wrote was this, we will know everything instantly. We already feel like we have the world at our fingertips with our constant use of smartphones. But at this time, we cannot comprehend true instant access to information in a way that will become standard in the future. So here to talk with us about immersive and interactive engagement through virtual and augmented reality is a woman who was recognized as an IT rising star and the Technology Association of Georgia Young Professionals 2017 Technologist of the Year is Annie Eaton. So Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Allison, so much for having me. So Annie, tell us a little bit about your company, where you are, and what you do. Sure. So my company, Futurist, is about four years old. We're actually coming into year number four this fall. And we primarily do virtual and augmented reality software development for enterprise clients. So taking gaming technology and using it for an enterprise use case. Okay. And, um, and you are a co-founder of this company, correct? Correct. Yes, I'm the co-founder and CEO, and the other co-founder is the chief te technology officer. So I'd like to talk to our entrepreneurs about the, the, you know, the why. Did you start off with a dream of, like, I'm going to start my own company, or what brought you to where you are today? Yeah, it's, I think most entrepreneurs I've talked to have kind of a roundabout way of getting to where they are. So for me, I had always had entrepreneurship in my blood. Like I, you know, from growing up had these little side gigs and the lemonade stand. And then my mom and I created a handbag company when I was in high school. And I ended up being an amateur fashion designer in college and then went through all sorts of different paths. Um, I eventually ended up in a marketing role after college in uh, a company that I met my co-founder at, and we both um, worked in close proximity. I would talk to him on a regular basis, and he had a really, um, I guess, excite, excited uh, attitude about the virtual reality technology at the time. He got his first VR headset in 1996. Um, and he had the first Oculus Rift, so it was the first development kit that they had released to the public. And he brought it into our company, and I know a lot of other people were just like, oh, whatever, that's just for gaming. When I put it on, because I wasn't allowed to have video games growing up, I instantly went to marketing. I said, oh, well, this would be really cool to have some sort of power plant walkthrough or something relevant to the work we were doing at the time. And so... That kind of inspired me and just got me really excited about the technology and having that first experience with it. Um, I just digested everything I could find. We tried to pitch it internally at the company where we worked and they unfortunately said no, but it probably was for the best because we ended up branching out, finding new opportunities to do it ourselves and then build a business around it. So did you bootstrap the business? Did you go and get venture capital money? Did you, how did you get your financial start? 
Yeah, so we did bootstrap the business. Um, it was pretty much a goal of mine. I, I think I have slight control issues. I know a lot of other <laughs> entrepreneurs I talk to do as well. And I wanted what we were creating to be something that we had ownership of um, that was just a very close circle around us that, um, you know, building a service business is very different than building a products business. I feel like you can't really build a products business without having some sort of capital to just get up to inventory and, and do that whole manufacturing workflow. But for services, you can kind of start building your portfolio and then snowball it, which is what we were able to do. So uh, while it's not feasible for all businesses we were fortunate that we had great clients from early on we built our own portfolio by projects we were interested in to be able to prove ourselves as we went into the sales cycle in this technology and we've just been able to snowball it ever since so for one for the for the most basic and I know this is so fundamental Go ahead and describe the difference between virtual reality and augmented reality. I'm glad you're bringing it up because some people don't know and that's okay. Uh, so on the virtual reality side, you're actually immersed in a simulated environment while wearing a headset. So you are occluded from the physical world. You're completely seeing a new world around you and um, you can look forward, backward, up, down, left, right, and be immersed in this new world. On the augmented reality side, it is a digital overlay of information onto the physical world. And you could see that through either a smartphone or tablet, where a lot of you may uh, be experiencing those apps now because they're starting to hit the market. Um, and then all the way up to wearing a head-mounted display that is a wearable device with some sort of pass-through lens like smart glasses or a holographic headset. And give us some examples of some of these really um, interactive and immersive activities that you've designed for your clients. Mm -hmm. On the virtual reality side, we're doing a lot with product visualization. There are a lot of companies um, who have these amazing products, but they're having difficult time selling them because all they do is have a listing on a website or maybe um, their clients have to visit their office to see what they've created because there's just such a barrier with the size of the equipment or, or the complexity or abstract nature of what they're selling. So it's a really good way to visualize a product. Um, we work closely with a soft, uh, they're called software automation, but they're a textile robotics company. They have huge pieces of machinery that are able to sew as fast as uh, tens of people. Um, and they can't really show their products to people without, seeing them in person. They do a lot of custom work. They have a lot of uh, products that are coming down the line, but they're all custom developed. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can only see it on a computer screen. So we've been able to take their engineering models and bring them into a virtual world and be able to uh, not only show their clients what it would look like, but also the space it would take up. Um, we're able to animate these objects to where they would look as they do in the real world in the future once they're built. Um, on the augmented reality side, we're doing a lot of on-site assistance for people in industries like construction or utilities or manufacturing where they're wearing a, a set of smart glasses or they're pulling out their phone, they're pointing it at the piece of equipment they're working on and they're getting instant access to information based on what the device sees. So 
say they're working on a control panel over here, it would give you maybe a sequence of operations. If you're looking at a circuit board over here, it would define which circuit board you're looking at and where it goes in the machine. So, so taking these things that are technically in paper manuals and 500 to 800 page paper manuals, digitizing it and then making the application smart so that it instantly gives you that information you're looking for. So, you know, I, I'm listening to you talk and I hadn't ever really thought about augmented reality that way. And um, I do speaking on the future of work and I'm talking about like the, the turnover of talent. Mm -hmm. And wow, if you can make things training and interactive and fast and easy, I mean, there's got to be so many wonderful applications for that. Yeah, that's a great point. That's one of the things that our customers in those industries are trying to combat is just the the gap in labor and talent that they have all of these amazing skilled laborers retiring and no one to take their place. So while they are still in the workforce, we're trying our best to help them capture that information, capture that knowledge that they've built up by on-the-job experience over decades and be able to bring that into a digital format, kind of like a living history of how things are done so that we can bring that to the next generation of laborers. And so it would seem to me that once people saw what you could do, it, it, it'd be somewhat of an, of an easy, easy sell, but how are you currently going about attracting new customers? It's been an interesting process because we are in such a new space that up until probably the last six months, we were more broad with the type of companies we were targeting. Uh, so for the first few years, we were pretty much taking any job we could get, as a lot of small businesses do at the beginning, uh, just to continue to fund ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now that we realize what we're good at, we're really good at working with engineers, we're really good at working with these more technical applications, um, we're starting to shift our focus in that direction. And I see the applications um, I, I guess because we're in it right now and we're actually seeing it work and seeing the, the, um, the results that we want, um, continuing to build upon that. So everything up until now has been more custom and we're starting to shift into a more productized model to take some of these things we've already created, whether it's for other customers or within our own internal R&D department and create more defined products surrounding that and then being able to um, sell those to more specific markets. It's something that's a work in progress, but it is a path that we want to take moving forward. Well, Annie, you and I talked and because your business is, is going so well, which is fantastic, um, you had to make some decisions recently about growth and, and scaling up, um, right. didn't you? I did. <laughs> yes, we, uh, we were... Really excited to get an amazing new project. Um, earlier this year, we kind of knew it might happen, but it, we couldn't pull the trigger on all these new hires until we actually had a signature on the dotted line. So uh, we had a team of five people uh, up until about April of this year, and then we got a new project that required us to more than double our size. Uh, we had a really great company culture before. We're all very close, good working relationship. Everyone's personalities, everyone's skill sets were fitting together like a beautiful puzzle. <laughs> and so it was really, really nerve wracking to me um, to make sure or just to see that this could fall apart if I don't do this right. So it all kind of started with finding the right project manager for this 
particular project, um, we were so lucky to come across a candidate who I had actually met three years ago um, through another organization I run called XR Atlanta, which is a community-based organization, and it's also been great for talent for our business um, because we are so involved in the community. And he came in with a background from working at Lockheed for about 16 years. He had worked at other um, software development companies as a systems engineer, and it was pretty much like the whip them into shape person we needed um, because this was like serious, serious business. We had to get a ton of work done in a five month period. And if, if this person had not come along, there's no way we could have done it. And from having that anchor and that rock, we were able to build out a team that would not only work well with him, but would fit within the company. I think we hired the first five people within a month which was exactly doubling our size. And then we added on two more last month to bring us up to 12. And um, I, I just, we, in that time, the people who were original to the company took a lot of effort examining our company culture, not only what we had, but what we wanted in the future. Um, we did a lot of reading. We did a lot of discussions with people who were in larger companies who had done it right, who were named, you know, 100 best places to work list. What are they doing? How can we be like them? And mm -hmm. when we look to building our company, we're not just looking at other startups, other, you know, technology companies that are just booming and growing quickly. We want to look at those established companies who, who have that environment that people want to work because that, that goes a long way in what we are trying to do long-term. So Amy, I, I, I want to go and ask you about, because I talked to, again, my focus is, is really talking to people like yourself who are young company founders and, and working their way through. Did you find it difficult to hire people that are more advanced in their careers or come with that different skill set and knowledge? Um, do you think that's hard for some people? You know, you said you had, you admitted you're a self-professed control person. Yes. So. <laughs> that's right. Um, it it was hard to think about at first, um, but. I think it all goes into finding someone you can trust. Um, so with control, I feel like I can let go if I trust the people that I'm letting relinquishing control to. Uh, so luckily, it has been good. I can see this as going a totally opposite direction and just everything crashing and burning. So I do always consider how lucky I was to do it and have it work out. Um, but yeah, I knowing these people and knowing that um, they do have all that experience was also kind of a peace of mind element for me. I knew that this person was going to come in and just grab the bull by the horns. And, and I have learned things from this team every day. Like I, even they're asking questions to me that I don't know, but they're things I need to think about in the growth of my business because they want to know where their careers are headed. And, um, it's something that I want to continue to evolve, continue to support, continue to grow over time. But I never want to be the smartest person in the room. Like maybe I am in many ways because I've learned about it. I've been educated about running a business, but as far as development, as far as technology, like I have people on my team who I've handpicked to be those experts for me. And if I'm limiting our company to my knowledge, then I'm doing it a disservice. So even though it's scary, as long as the trust is there, I think it's the best thing you can do for your business is find people, a blend of people 
both with experience, but also newer minds, fresher minds. So we have, you know, some people who are very new out of school, and then we've got some people with 20 years of industry experience. And it's really interesting to see the ways that they talk to each other and the way they interact with each other and just the conversations that happen. It blows my mind every day. And so, Annie, I got to ask, if I work for you, do I get to play with these toys? Do I get to take anything home? Or? <laughs> you do. Um, yeah, we have, you know, we've got some incentives. And you mentioned earlier uh, on the on the podcast that last year I won the Technology Association of Georgia's Young Professional Technologist of the Year. Well, this year, our whole company is a finalist for one of the awards, and we'll find out uh, very shortly, but we are nominated for, or finalists for Best Millennial Workplace. So ah, congratulations. Um, it's really exciting. For the whole state of Georgia, we're top three. Um, but yeah, we've got some great incentives. I mean, a lot of startups also can't say that they have the stability to offer medical insurance, which we do, short and long-term disability, which we do, uh, life insurance, which we also do. Um, but on top of the, you know, the standards, uh, we also have an arcade in the office, which is a great way to blow off steam is to, you know, battle each other in Street Fighter. Um, we also have such a big library of equipment. We have you know, we call ourselves kind of collectors because even if we buy something to try that we don't like, like we're going to keep it in our collection so that everyone can understand why it didn't work or why it did work or why, um, why we want to use this technology. So we have such a library of this equipment built up that we want our employees to be able to access that at home too. So we have a checkout system if they're interested in bringing it home or, you know, showing their friends or family or significant other what they're working on to kind of blend or merge uh, the two, the home life and the work life, uh, because what we work in is exciting. All their, all their friends want a piece of it. So we let them bring it home. So I, I got to tell you, uh, you started at the beginning of this year, in the beginning of 2018, you, you did this blog post that talked about trends to watch for. Yes. And um, you said very clearly, augmented reality will continue to shine. And at for us outside of your company, for, for me as a, a common person, how, how likely is it that I'm going to own smart glasses or I'm going to have more of this in my everyday life? Yeah, for me, the smart glasses are coming down the road. Some of the earlier devices are already being released. Um, there is one called the Vuzix Blade that's being released in the next couple of months that just looks like a pair of sunglasses. The whole right lens is a pass-through of augmented reality information onto your environment. So it's different from Google Glass where it was a little camera and a little device separate. It's actually built into the lens now, which is really exciting. Um, Magic Leap, which is also a huge whether you call it augmented reality or mixed reality, it's basically the same thing in my mind. Um, wearable that has come out, uh, they released their orders last month. People are starting to get them already. That's a really exciting thing that had $2.3 billion of funding into that company, and they have a product that's on the market. Um, Microsoft HoloLens, which is another wearable, is coming out with a new version next year. So there's no sign of it slowing down. I will say the wearable aspect of it is early still. Um, it'll still be a few years or maybe, you know, five years before people are wearing them every day. You know, everyone, as we do with our smartphones, we have those all around us. Uh, but using augmented reality through your smartphone is happening now. People are using it socially with Instagram, with Snapchat, 
with Facebook. All of them have AR components. Uh, there are, you know, e-commerce platforms. So IKEA now has IKEA Place. Amazon has a um, a see it in your environment. So if you're buying a couch or you're buying a chair and you want to see if it fits in your room or if you want to see if it matches your decor, that's already accessible to the public. These experiences are already coming out and people are already using them. So I definitely see it as something we'll start using more and more often. And like I said in January, it's not showing any signs of slowing down. <laughs> okay, so now we have to look forward even even more. Mm -hmm. if, if I come back and talk to you, and this isn't necessarily just about the industry of, of virtual and augmented reality, but for you as a professional, mm -hmm. what are your personal aspirations and, and goals over the next couple of years if we were to sit down and, and have this chat again? Yeah, I definitely want my company to continue to grow. Um, and I, I feel like that is a personal goal since it's my company. Um, I would love to have a team of 30 people. I am worried about it getting much bigger because I love how we all interact with each other now. So I have to, as we grow, I think as a personal goal would be to make sure that I'm able to grow my company in a way that I am still proud of. Um, I want us to always be unafraid or always be proud of having our name stamped on our products. So I want that to stay, to th stay the same. I would like to be involved in something that has to do with how we define the ethics in this technology. So uh, I definitely don't want to be a politician, but I know that there are going to be um, things that come out where regulations are going to have to be set to determine how people use this technology. Um, you know, just as privacy regulations have come out recently in Europe earlier this mm -hmm. year, and um, there are uh, all these all these different regulations that have come out with social media and information sharing and all of that, it's going to come out with with the technology I work in as well. It's so new that that hasn't happened yet. We don't really have guidelines or regulations there, but that's coming. And I think it'd be great if I get to be a part of that conversation. Um, so, so hopefully some sort of advisory role and, and some entity that determines that, I mean, that would be amazing for me. Annie, it's been a thrill to talk to you on, on this, on this topic. It's, it's so intriguing. And, and like you said, there's so much more that can be done with it. But right now we do need to close. So I want you to tell everybody how they can reach you or engage or follow more of what's going on with your company. Absolutely. Well, we are pretty active on social media. So you'll find me on Twitter at Futurist Annie. Uh, and you'll find our company at The Futurist. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. I think Twitter, though, we're most active. Um, and then our website is futurist.com. So you can find us there. Uh, but, but yeah, I definitely stay in touch and um, feel free to, to ask us your questions because it's an ever-evolving journey through technology. And the more interaction we have with others who are interested in the same space, the more things can advance. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And that is it for this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. If you liked what you heard and you think somebody else would enjoy listening to it, please share, please comment. Absolutely. Everybody go and find Annie and her company on Twitter and LinkedIn um, because I know there's things that she's got to say in her blog or in sharing videos that will be beneficial to everyone. So thank you. Thank you again, Annie. Thank you. 
This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.